0: All right, church, if you all would, you can go ahead and turn to Psalm 111 this morning. It's where we're going to be spending our time. For the month of November, we've decided what better place to be than in the Psalms. As we look to, to praise God and we, we look to, toward, uh, toward thanksgiving and in our time of, of giving thanks and, and remembering things. And, and, you know, you look at this list, and we're thankful for so many things, right? And, and there's a reason we're thankful for them. They've, they've brought us joy. Um, they've, they've brought some kind of, like, moment of happiness. Uh, for, for Gwen, she made the point with candy. Probably doesn't do much for you, but it gives you that, that sugar rush. And that's something to be thankful for. Sometimes we need a sugar rush to get us going. Some people drink caffeine. Some just eat a whole bag of Skittles real quick and finish their day strong, I do both, right? Just wash my Skittles down with my coffee. But we come here to to Psalm 111, and we really get this this good posture for, for praise, that we are to praise God, but there's a reason we are to praise God. And our main point this morning is praise God for who he is and all he has done. So keep that in mind, and I just want to read Psalm 111 for us this morning, but keep in mind, praise God for who He is and all He has done. Psalm 111 says, "'Praise the Lord, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart, and the company of the upright and the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is His work, and His righteousness endures forever.' He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food. Uh, for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works and giving them the inheritance of the nations. The work of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. That's God's word for us this morning, church. Let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, we, we thank you so much for this time that we could come and worship you. God, just I, I pray as um, Pastor Simon prayed this morning, God, that we would, we would lay it at the cross. God, that we would, we would not come in here bearing our burdens and this weight in a way that we cannot uh, approach your throne uh, being assured of our forgiveness in Christ Jesus. But God, I pray that we would remember that we are here to worship you and to give you the praise and to give you the glory to confess our sins, to fellowship with one another. And I pray that you would be glorified through it all. God, I pray as we look at this this psalm, it would be a reminder of how great you are. Not just by reading that, not not just as as Lincoln mentioned, just saying that you are good, but God, that we could look back in this week and in the ups and downs and and, and whatever we went through this week. In any anxious moment and in any, any trial, God, we can look and we can say you are faithful and you were faithful through it all and I can see it. I pray that we wouldn't simply praise you, but God, we would observe you and we would fear you. We would see you for who you are, not who we think you are. God, lead us in this time. Thank you for all that you have done and continue to do in and through us and especially for our church family. God, I pray that you would continue to bless us and use us for your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So again, the main point for us this morning is praise God for who he is and all he has done. I think Lincoln really hit the the nail on the head as, as a lot of times we 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 come to church and we say that God is good, or we'll say, you know, Jesus is, is Lord or Jesus is my savior, and we really miss the mark because we we say that with empty meaning, right? We say it as like just a, a robot, yeah, Jesus is Lord. And it's like, well, well, the Bible says that that demons believe in Jesus and tremble, right? They shake. But we know where, where demons go. And then we, we, we look at, at what Jesus said about those on the last day who say, did we not prophesy in your name and do many wonderful works? And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. And it's because of this very reason is that, that we approach God as, as someone that it's not even we approach him. we bring him out of our pocket when we need him, and we, we say all the right things, right? We, we talk about the sinner's prayer and praying this prayer and doing these things and following these steps. And, and all that sounds like churches is, is training, which is good. We believe in discipleship. We believe in training one another. But if you don't first buy in, if you aren't first a believer in the gospel, then none of it makes sense. But to those of us who it makes sense, we're praising because of who He is and what he has done. Amen? We, we see, we actively see God working in and through our life, and the life of those around us, even those who don't believe. You want to see a simple work of God's common grace upon all people. A lot of people woke up this morning ready to, to dismiss everything thrown at them about God's existence. They are ready to wake up and argue about God, but God gave them the breath to breathe that morning. They are breathing right now, and that is a work of God through them. That is God working, and we can see it in our lives and those around us, those who love God and those who hate God. So our points as we drive home that we are to praise God for who he is and all he has done is to first praise God, observe God, and fear God. So yes, we are to praise God, point number one. You are. You should right? We should absolutely praise God. When you don't feel like praising God, guess what? Praise God. When, when, you're, when you're in a moment where you don't feel like waking up and going to church, that's probably the moment that you should wake up and go to church. We do advocate sometimes of taking a rest and going somewhere, getting some R&R with your family, right? But we understand that the majority of Sunday mornings, like 90% of them, get up and go to church. There are going to be mornings, even your pastors, it's like the mornings we have to preach, and it's like, Oh, man, like, I don't think there's enough coffee in the world to get me going today. But guess what? God deserves to be praised. It's not this sermon deserves to be delivered. All these hours went into it. Everybody deserves to hear this wonderful sermon this morning. It's, no, God deserves to be praised. And we should. We should give God all the proper praise that he deserves. We all should give God the proper praise. You see, this point is foundational Right, Because people were created to praise God, to glorify God. Every person was created to glorify God. Everybody. This must happen, and indeed, church, it will happen. Every tongue will confess, but for many it will be too late. In due time, all people will praise his name. For many it will be too little too late. Let's look at what the psalmist says here in Psalm 111, verse 1. Praise the Lord. And we see it down in, in Psalm 112. Um, if you don't have a Bible, by the way, you can grab those under the seats, in front of you, beneath you, behind you. Look on your phone. But it says praise the Lord, and, and Psalm 112 uh, does the same. R.C. Sproul notes that, that Psalm 111 is, is focused on, on God, and Psalm 112 is focused on the people of God, that we are praising God and, and here in Psalm 111, we are looking at the reason God is due his praise. But it says here, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright and the congregation. Praise the Lord. I, love, I just love how that starts. It's like just that refreshing thing that we need to be reminded, like praise the Lord. Then It goes on and says, give thanks with your whole heart. And it says to do it together in the assembly. Now, this is beautiful because it's not like the New Testament is this new concept where God is now after your heart and not your works. It's that God has always been after his people's heart. He's always been after our, our most inner, most selfish, most conceited, self-conceited thing about us is our heart. So that by the transformation of our heart, that everything that we do would reflect him who saved us. And the psalmist says here that, that our praise, that the psalmist's praise is to come from his heart. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. Not I will lift up empty and vain praises of God, saying, God, you were good. God, you were Lord Jesus, you were king. And say all those things without meaning it, without seeing it, without believing it. That I will give praise with my whole heart. And then it says, and I will do it in the company of the upright." in the congregation. So church, we are to give thanks. We are to praise God with our entire heart, with our entire being. And we shouldn't do it alone. You see, the, the beauty of the scriptures is that we, we understand that we, we can praise God alone, right? We talked about this, I, I think, a little bit last week, if, if I'm recalling uh, correctly, is, is that we don't have to come to 580 North State Road to talk to God, to commune with God. We don't even have to to come here to fellowship with other believers. We get to, and we should, right? But we know that, that we believe in the priesthood of all believers, that God has given us, the triune God has given us his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us, making you a temple of the living God that you can commune with him anywhere. And that is a blessing. And neither your individual worship or your corporate worship should be neglected. See, we, we know that we do not simply worship God alone, but together in the presence of others. Now here's a question that will come up from this. How often, right, or here's a question I have for you guys, rather. How often do you hear others say that they don't need the church? In, in this society, in this day and age, how often do you hear people say that they do not need the church? And you'll hear people, they, they read their Bible maybe more than you do, right? And don't let that be a knock at you. They're just, they love the word. They're, they're reading it. The answer is probably a lot, right? We, we deal with this a lot. Um, your pastors hear this from time, uh, time to time. We actually pretty frequently, you run into people who are saying, I don't need the church. I can worship God wherever I want because I am the church. See, the truth is, church, that's a lie. We do need the church because we're a part of it. We are not it. You see, we've, we've taken this concept of, of you are a member of the church, right? And Paul even gives us this analogy, Christ is the head, and we are the body. We are, we are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ, right? And because he's the head, and he's, he's made us individuals of the same body, it means that we need each other. But you wouldn't sit there and look and say, the hand, if, if you cut off one of my limbs and you said, that's a body, you, no, you would say that's part of the body. So we know through the scriptures that we need one another. We need the church. Because we alone are not the church. But you play a huge role in it. So individual worship is vitally important, and so is corporate worship. See, don't don't think, don't leave here thinking that because of the importance of the church, that you don't need to or don't have to or even can't worship God on your own. But the church is important, it says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright and the congregation. That's, that's professing faith to those around you. That's being a witness. That's, that's praising God. That's, that's giving him the glory and lifting up a joyful noise together. Look at the scriptures. What do the scriptures say? The, Hebrews, uh, the author of Hebrews says, do not neglect to meet together, which is the habit of some. And then Acts says that they devoted themselves to the teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and so on. We see the importance of the church, of the fellowship of believers, over and over and over again. But we also get this from Jesus when talking to the woman at the well. John 4, verses 21 through 24, it says, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when true, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. From the mouth of our Lord and Savior Jesus himself, he says this. Now what is Jesus teaching? He's not teaching, contrary to the scriptures. What he's saying is that they would worship, not confined to a geographical location, but from their whole heart. And church, that's why we worship in spirit and in truth. Having the triune God in us, by his Holy Spirit, we are able to worship. And we worship according to truth, which is found in God's holy word. We worship in spirit and and in truth, kids, sword drill. Can someone bring me a Bible and turn it to Colossians three sixteen? Actually, turn it to Colossians three sixteen. Then bring it to me. Make sure I word that right. We've got some future lawyers in here who would get me with some some wording. Colossians three sixteen. If you don't know what I'm talking about, a few uh, family Sundays ago, one of the kids ran up and just pointed at the screen because the Bible verse was on the screen. All right, Jude. Here, while I'm doing this, you can, you can pick out a, a little prize uh, for helping me get Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Right, And we see, that, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another. So because the word of Christ is dwelling in you richly, teaching and admonishing come, right? It follows suit. It follows order that the word of Christ would dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. we see that, that even Paul was, was addressing this, that it, it goes to the heart. So many times we, we think that it's, it's separate, but, but our praise from God is not simply verbal, it's not simply intellectual, but it is emotional in the sense that it is from the heart, that our, that our hearts are being changed. It's not, it's not um, disconnected from a personal relationship with God, believing in Him actively. And that place of praise to God comes from observing God, point number two, that we, if you want to praise God, if you really want to see what God is doing, if you want to praise him for who he is and all that he has done, then you need to stop sometimes, pause, in the busyness of our life, it's so difficult to just take that break and take a breath, and let me, let me tell you, as, as parents, sometimes like Aubrey and I, like, I want to talk to her at the end of the day, and I'm like, all right, cool, the kids are in bed, and I can talk, and she's like, can you give me a minute, right, and I'm like, yeah, I can give you a minute. Like, is everything good? Yes, it's good, but the kids were chaotic today, and I haven't had a moment literally to have a thought, right? Because my only thought was, Has the, have, have our kids eaten? Has Evie eaten enough? Has Evie eaten too much? Did she get into all the peanuts again? Is she just devouring every piece of candy she can get? What is the room like, the room that I just spent 12 hours cleaning yesterday? And you think about the busyness, and you can go any route with your job, whether or not you have kids. We have busy lives. And sometimes it's just like, as robots, we got to say on our way home, hey, praise you, God, you're good. But do we take a moment to stop? Because our praise must match who God is. Now, this is good because it, it knocks out any heresy that's in our heart, right? Any false beliefs, because we can't praise God for who He's not. So if we walk around being like, praise you, God, for you send all people to heaven, and be like, Jesus up here, He's like, hey, Father, not talking to us. He's like, no, he's not talking to us, right? It doesn't line up with the scriptures. But also, it should match the God that you see in, in your life, which comes from the scriptures, right? Matthew Henry says, our exhortations and our examples should agree together. That means our praise and who we see God to be should match. So you could tell somebody if they're saying they see who God is and what he's doing, and you're like, no, it doesn't match, and be like, you're praising the wrong thing, maybe a demon, right? Right? And vice versa, you could sit there and say, well, well I'm, I'm proclaiming this, but am I seeing this? And that's a simple, just, that's the easy fix, right? That's like, hey, stop and just look. Like I said, the easiest way to, to prove to people that, that God is, is good and he's gracious, specifically the, the attribute of God's grace, that he is a gracious God, is the fact that he lets sinners who hate him, despise him, and will die rejecting him, he lets them wake up and breathe. That's common grace. That is good. We can observe that. See, God isn't simply who we think he is, church. He's exactly who he has revealed himself to be. The beauty is we don't have to wonder what God is like or what he he was like, right, as if he's changed, which he hasn't. But we get to turn to his word and see. And that's exactly what this psalmist does. I will praise the praise the Lord, right? I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright and the congregation. And then goes on for the next eight verses or so, praising God for who God is. Listen to this. Great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. I just want to stop here at this verse and then we'll continue on looking at the work of God and how good and how gracious and how powerful and how merciful and how Awesome, our God is. But it says, great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. This is that observation. It's taking time to recognize and see not only who God is, but what he not only has done, church, but what he is doing. And again, easy. Look around. What God has done in our church family, growing us, not numerically only, but spiritually, spiritually. Seeing, seeing families grow closer to the word of God together. It's beautiful to see. We get to see how God is working. But it says the works of God are studied. This is why it's so important. Right? When we talk about reading the word, we're not saying, hey, open your Bible and just read it. Right? I would encourage you, be a slow reader. You may read Psalm 111 100 times faster than me, right? But read it. Six times, especially if you read fast, read it more. Read it over and over and over. Study the works of God. It says that the works of God are studied. And look at what it says. Studied by all who delight in them. Church, we should delight in God's works. right? We should delight in in who God is and what he has done. We should want to know doctrine, not so that we can, hey, look at all the doctrine and the points that I know, but we could say, this is who God is. I've spent time studying this, not from, not from uh, John Piper's book alone, but, but John Piper's book showed me the beauty of the scriptures and pointed me to the truths that are found in it. We should be students of the word, studying our God and his works. Sword drill, Psalm 143, verse 5. Parents, you can help your kiddos too. That's not a cheat code. Psalm 143, verse 5. Lincoln. Uh-oh, he's racing you. Or maybe he's just coming back up to his dad. All right, you can get Lincoln while I'm reading that if you want to grab something out of that back basket. Psalm 143, verse 5 says this. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the works of your hands. Listen. Listen. Listen to this, I remember the days of old, right? It reminds me of that Bob Singer song, back in the days of old, yeah, I love it, right? And I read it, this, and it reminds me of, like, that God, like, before we were born, right, like, earth didn't just start when we were born, as much as I'd love to believe that, like, everything just began when I began, that was it, right? Like, the 40s, 50s, and 60s, things that my grandparents and parents talk about, right, like, that didn't exist, But it says, I remember the days of old. Listen, I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the works of your hands, right? Thanks, Lincoln. And it shows us the psalmist there in Psalm 143 is telling us that that when studying God's word, especially for us New Covenant folks, that we are not spending all of our time in the New Testament. And as we do that, we get to see how God has always operated and hasn't just begun to operate, right? Like, I, I think about even my parents' life, right? Like, we love, some of you all get on Ancestry.com, some of you should stay off Ancestry.com, um, but you, you learn things about your family, right? And for me, I love, like, just asking my parents things about their life before me, and, you know, like, my dad will share things, and it's like, my dad used to, to play music, right? And I love that. My dad, when I, when I was a baby, like, real small baby, he, he was able to open up for Tim McGraw, and, like, that was so cool to me, and, like, it was like right after his first hit, and my dad's like, yeah, we thought we were so cool. We got like a, a big uh, va- a bus to bring us in and like we all got out and like some people thought we were a part of his band and he's like, it was just the coolest experience, but we were just a bunch of losers. And I like love just knowing that about like my dad, like just knowing some of his life and some of his stories. And for me, I like seeing how like my dad has changed. I like seeing how my mom um, has changed and just seeing the differences in their life. But as we we look to God and and how he's worked before us and how he's working through us. We get in the scriptures how he's going to operate later. It's always been the same. Like, God doesn't change. And that's what's beautiful about reading and studying the Word of God is you don't have to be like, oh, well, God operated um, this way then, and, and God God is gracious now, but he was uh, vengeful then. No, that's not the case. God has a wrath, right? The wrath of God is real. It's prevalent. It's here today. His grace was prevalent there and then, um, and it's important. And, and then when we study it, when we see the works of God, we know how his wrath works. We know how his grace works. We praise him because of his wrath because we know that that nothing will be uh left undone we know that justice will be served and and we need justice right and and we know that that we're fallen and we're broken and we know that we are in need of a savior and it reminds us that we need his grace but where do we read about his grace from his word where do we see his grace every day in our life so we get to read about it we get to study it and we get to see it we get to observe these things Right, we we pray we observe more grace than wrath, right? Like we're not like driving down the street like, Father, forgive me for I don't want to get like hit by this, you know, person right here, like standing in line at like Chipotle or like whatever, like just God, whatever whatever it is, just give me the grace and and not the wrath. But we get to see God operate in the scriptures and even today. We should take time, pause, and observe who God is and what he has done and what he is doing. Look what the psalmist says from verses three to nine. Listen to to these works and and keep in mind that the the psalmist here seems to be reflecting a lot on the exile from Egypt and Pharaoh. A lot of this ties into that time and and coming out and and looking back at the works of God then. But think about the works of God even now as we read this. Verse three, full of splendor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused us, uh, caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. Are you all seeing some things like and God, observing that in your life? Has he been gracious? Has he been merciful? Right. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works and giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. It's so good that we we just get to pause and we get to see um, the, the psalmist observing the things of God. And, and we can take time, and we, I would even encourage you, maybe like a, a little drill this week, is just to, to write down the things of God, write down an attribute, right? Like we always say, God, you're, you're gracious, but, but write down, so God is gracious, but write down an example. How has he been gracious to you, and how have you seen his graciousness play out in your life? If you're saved, one of the easiest things to do would be in your salvation. But I would even t- tell you to take another step. How else has he been gracious? How has he been merciful to you? How has he been provider, right? We, we say, God, thank you for your provisions, right? Thank you for providing uh, for our church family. How has he done that, right? We could, some of us are, this is easy, easy drill. But like when we do it, it leads us into a place of, of praise and also leads us into a place of fear. Point number three, that we have this fear of God. And, and we talk about this pretty often here, that when we talk about the fear of God, it doesn't mean get down, hunker down. You're going to be like schmited, Right. Like I, I love referring like Bruce Almighty when possible. Right. Nelson, like we talked about Bruce Almighty a lot this week for whatever reason. But like, you know, like Bruce Almighty has this moment. And I think that's the fear of God that we've connected is like, don't smite me down right? And we're like just so fearful of something like that happening. But when fear of God is mentioned in the scriptures, it's talking about this awe and wonder, this reverence for God, that we understand who he is. And part of that comes from observing who he is and what he's done. But we are to have a healthy fear of God. Every person should have this. Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding his praise endures forever. Final sword drill, Psalm 36, verse 1. Psalm 36, verse 1. Oh, she's got it. We got some help there. She was running and Rose like handed it off like a baton, right? Here we go. Here, I'll take this. She didn't even get you the right passage. I'm (laughs) thinking You can, you can get a prize out of, out of the back basket. Thank you so much. <laughs> Psalm 36, verse 1. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. So the, the psalmist here, it's David here in, in uh, Psalm 36, is saying that the connection here to, to transgression, to sin, has to do with having no fear of God. It says, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. So there's a connection there to if we have fear of God, it shows that that we truly praise God. It shows that we truly observe God. It shows that, church, we truly believe God. We don't just say things in vain. We don't say things with empty praise, but we say it with an acknowledgement and an understanding and a belief of who God is and what he has done for us. We need to have a healthy fear of God. We need to have reverence for God. Thank you, Gwen. And I want to I end here before we, we uh, take communion, church. But we even look into to James, right? We see from James and, and what he says about wisdom and, and the importance of wisdom and how we are to uh, approach God and how we should go to God and ask and seek for wisdom and, and help from God. Right? James says, if you lack wisdom, what do you do? You go to God. You ask God for wisdom, and it will be given to you. This is something that, that James writes, and, and, and we've heard it twisted and manipulated before to where it's like, hey, if, if you lack anything, whatever you lack, right, if you just ask and you'll receive, the name it, claim it kind of game, but we don't believe that. We don't believe that to be true. But then in, in James 3, 17, he talks about how, how uh, the wisdom of God is pure, right? The fear of God and the wisdom of God, it's, it's pure, it's good, it's holy, it's upright, it's peaceable, it's merciful, it's gracious. So when we have a healthy fear of God, which fear is the beginning of wisdom, right? When we have those things, it means that we have the, the proper perspective of Jesus, It means that we have the proper understanding of the triune God. So if we want to truly praise God, we need to come to a place where we observe him, to take a moment and and pause, which leads us to a healthy fear of God. Because when we see what God has done, we have a better perspective of who he is. And that leads us into communion, church, this morning. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up is that when we take communion, what we are doing is not trying to get into a ritual, but to take time to remember what Christ did on our behalf. This is a a moment, this is an act of worship that we are praising God through this act. Why? We're praising Him for the sacrifice He made on our behalf. Not simply giving us His righteousness, but taking on our bad. Now imagine that very truth, that you were to have someone pay off your debt, right? Like, that's amazing. But what if they didn't simply pay it off, but they took it from you, that Jesus took on the wrath of God that his people deserved so that we wouldn't have to. So as we approach the table this morning, I want us to reflect on what Christ has done on our behalf. Uh, Brother Jeremy Newman, if you could come up here uh, this morning, and uh, Pastor Mark as well to serve communion for us. But I want us to remember that. As, as we come church, maybe you, you want to take a, a moment to, to pray. Remember who God is and what he has done. To properly praise him, we need to take the time to do that. We need to take the time to observe who he is and all that he has done. And let me tell you, if, if you're not a believer here this morning, let me, let me guard the table. If you're not yet a believer, right, you've, you've yet to uh, repent of your sin and believe in the gospel message, then refrain from coming up. That's okay. We would rather talk to you about the gospel and what Jesus has done before you come up and, and praise him for what he's done and it be in vain and it be empty. This time is for believers. And we encourage those of you who are believers to examine your hearts so that you can partake in a worthy manner. If your heart is harboring unrepentant sin, refrain until you can come freely to partake. As we often mention, find the person, repent, talk it out, go through it, figure it out in your heart. If there's something that you're harboring up against yourself or with God about a situation, don't wait until next month to take communion. Confront whatever it is right now. And as the bread and cup are served, we ask that you hold on to them so that we can all partake together. Church, I'm going to lead us in prayer. And as you all are ready, you can come up. You can continue to pray in your seat. And uh, Brother Mark and Brother Jeremy will have everything up here. Father God, thank you so much for who you are. God, you are so gracious. You are merciful. God, the truth is, there's wrath. The truth is, there's so much to you that we get to spend the rest of our lives and all of eternity studying, and learning more about you, our awesome God. But God, I pray that in this moment right now, we would take the time to stop and reflect, to observe. God, I pray that you would receive our praise as we take a moment to observe what you've done. God, I pray that right now, Lord, we would lay it at the cross and we would look to the sacrifice of Jesus. Not, not simply for the whole world that, that Jesus did this thing and, and we just speak it, but God, that we would remember that Jesus, our Lord, your Son, our Savior, paid the price for me. I pray that it would be intentional to observe the, the things this morning that you have done and this week as you continue to do and to work through and to provide for your people. God, I pray right now that we would have a healthy fear of you, our God, that we would have a, a reverence for you, and I pray that you would receive the praise that you sow and you alone deserve. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.